You are listening to episode 33 of the Happy Outdoor Families podcast, and today we are going to be talking about increasing our knowledge of the land that we live on and the indigenous groups that have or still do call it home. Erica McLemore is our guest today, and I can't wait for you to hear her thoughts and advice for how to do this and how to incorporate that knowledge into our time outdoors with our kids. I love that this episode is following right after our conversation about the national parks. Last week, we talked a little bit about how the parks can teach us about the history of our nation, and they are a part of our heritage, that there's value in learning about those things and building a connection. And this episode fits so well into that idea. We can add a richness to our outdoor time by learning about the indigenous people who inhabit our region, about the history of the land, and we can also begin to touch on some of the parts of our nation's history that are very difficult. Erica is amazing, and I loved being able to sit down and learn from her as I recorded this interview. I can't wait for you to hear it. Listen in. Welcome to Happy Outdoor Families, the podcast that encourages and equips families to spend more time exploring and playing together outside. I'm your host, Emily Eisenbarger, and I hope that as you listen in each week, you will feel inspired and excited about reconnecting your kids and yourselves with the outdoors. Each Monday, I will be bringing you a grown-up episode featuring conversations about all things outdoor play and adventure related. Every Wednesday, make sure you tune in for an episode just for the kids to listen to with their grown-ups, where I will bring you a simple play invitation to get you started with some fun, open-ended outdoor play. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Erica McLemore is a mom and teacher that loves to get outside and play. She holds a BS from the United States Naval Academy and is a former naval officer. She currently leads Tinker Garden classes in Cedar Park, Texas, where she lives with her husband and three young children, and also works as the community manager for Tinker Garden, which is how I first became acquainted with Erica. Erica is a citizen of the Seminole Nation of Oklahoma and is passionate about diversity, equity, and inclusion and helping families across the country learn and connect with the indigenous history of our land. I am so excited to have Erica here today to share some of her knowledge with us. Erica, welcome to Happy Outdoor Families. Hi, thank you, Emily. It's great to be here. So to start off, can you share just a little bit about yourself and maybe what led to your interest in outdoor education and outdoor play? Yeah, that's a great question. So playing outside is just kind of how I grew up. My cousins and my best friend and all the neighborhood kids, our default was outside. And I think a lot of times these days we don't see that as much in some parts of the country or with some children. And when I had my own kids, I felt this pull to figure out a way to bring that back for my own kids. You know, how could I make sure that they had those kinds of experiences, that they were getting their outdoor time to go hand in hand with all of the really fun activities that are available nowadays that we do love. We love inside things. We love structured activities, but also that free, unstructured time outdoors and all of that creative play that comes from that. 
Um, so when I started having my own kids, I hosted playgroups. You know, we'd make mud pies. We'd go to the park and just explore the outskirts of the park, not necessarily the playground. But then we'd go past that to where there's trees. And it felt a little bit more like you were near a forest, um, collecting little items we'd find. And then I discovered Tinker Garden, um, which you know yeah. about, but this great organization that that's what it's all about, you know, classes where you can get together with other families and do those kinds of activities. So I applied to become a Tinker Garden leader, absolutely fell in love with that and have been doing that for about five years now. Wow. Well, yes. And I, as I'm sure you know, can relate to what you're saying so much. I feel like my story there is really similar and our family just loves Tinker Garden and the community that that's brought to us and the community that continues to spread and get created through Tinker Garden. And um, so I mentioned before, that's how I first got to know you and it's where I'm a leader as well, which is the best job. Um, But from there, I also learned that beyond outdoor education, you are also a big advocate for the visibility of Native people. So Why is that something that is so important to you? Yeah, so like you mentioned, I'm actually a citizen of the Seminole Nation of Oklahoma. I'm also Muscogee Creek, so that's two tribal affiliations that I have. And that's not something that we really learn a lot about in public education these days. We lightly touch on the impact of colonization in those early days, but it tends to come through a lens um, that sugarcoats things a bit. And being able to help my children understand that there is more to that, um, that we do need to know and we need to learn about, but also the idea that we're still here. Um, Native American cultures, indigenous people, we're not something from the past. You know, we're still here. There's thriving, vibrant nations of today, which are not always visible um, in mainstream life just because there are less of us. But it's really exciting to learn about and to show kids all the different cultures and people of our world um, for everyone. But that is something that I'm really passionate about, helping families and kids connect to the idea of that there are Native cultures that are still here. What does that mean? And also, how does that relate to where, where we live? You know, what does that mean? Who, who is from this area? And where are they? And what are their lives like today? That's really awesome. And that's such a good point because... I am not a very big history person. It's never been my strong suit. But when I do think back on my own education and what I learned about Native American history and culture, like you were saying, it's really more about the past. We might learn just a little bit about what happened kind of at the beginning of our country, but not anything that kind of extends into the present day. And so I feel like growing up, I I really didn't have much of an awareness or a concept of what indigenous culture would be in the United States. So something that is getting, I think, a little bit more buzz lately is land acknowledgments. And this was something that we did starting a few seasons back in Tinker Garden. I can't remember how many it was. And I think it was at that point that I started to kind of think a little bit more about this topic and kind of realize, well, I really don't know much about the Native groups that live or would have in the past lived in the lands where I am now. Um, so can you talk a little bit about that? Like, what is a land acknowledgement and what is the purpose of doing that? 
Yeah. So this is something that in the last few years, more and more people are starting to hear about and kind of dig in to understand what exactly is this? Why does this matter? How do I do this practice? So in its basic form, a land acknowledgement would be at the start of any gathering or just a get together where you stop and say, hey, uh, you know, this land that we're on, I just want to take a minute to acknowledge who the land belongs to. And you would formally recognize the tribes whose land you're gathering on. So it's a first step towards reparations and reconciliation in our world today. So, you know, for you and I, we do work in the outdoor industry, and I think we have a unique role there, particularly around our commitment to equity inclusion of all people. All children deserve access to outdoor education, and to make that truly accessible to all families, that does include Native children and Native families and the reality of where they are today and how that happened. So, for example, I'm a transplant to the state of Texas. So this land I live on and that my own family explores, it's not actually ours. It's the ancestral homeland of the Tonkawa tribe. And many other tribes have also lived on this land. But the Tonkawa tribe um, is the tribe that was forcibly removed and relocated to present day Oklahoma. So, Mm. you know, it's not lost on me when me and my family, we go out and explore or even the classes that I lead. You know, I have the privilege of learning, growing, and we all get to play together on this land that was stolen from these nations through forced removal. I know that language can sometimes be uncomfortable to hear. You know, it is a hard truth that it was stolen and there was violence associated with this. Um, But the Tonkwa tribe is a thriving, vibrant culture and tribe today. They live in Mm -hmm. present-day Oklahoma. But their very creation story and the location that's held as the sacred place of their birth centers around a mountain here in central Texas. Um, it's known to them today as La Tortuga, and that's that's located on this land. So that that feels important to acknowledge. You know, when we're yeah. outside, you know, these places that we explore, we can go hike there. But wait a minute, what does that hold significance to someone else? You know, we, we need to stop and think about these things. We have the privilege of exploring. And I think it's a great thing to teach children to fully understand and respect everything about these outdoor spaces. Yeah. I think parents today think a lot about um, how they can incorporate education into their experiences with their children, whether it's, you know, play or exploration. And I think this is another element of that as well, that it's something that can add a richness to our experiences when we are outside um, to be acknowledging that and, and bringing that awareness to our kids and really to ourselves. Like I said, I mean, this is something that is fairly new to me um, and it's something that I hadn't given a lot of thought. And so I feel like it's a, it's a good education for myself as well. And I can learn along with my kids as we're playing and exploring together. If people want to find out about their region that they're living in um, and what people have historically lived there, what people still live there, where can they go to find that type of information? That's a great question. And like you said, this is something that my kids and I are doing hand in hand together too, because this isn't our land. So it's something that we are researching and learning about as we go. And so a great place to start, and it's exactly what we use, it's called Native Land Digital. It's a Canadian nonprofit, and they have put together this fantastic resource. Um, 
The website is native-land.ca, and you can enter your zip code or even your city name and your state, and it shows you the names of all of the tribes that whose land that you're living on. So you can click and learn a little bit more, but from there, you have a great place to start. You know exactly who you're looking for books about, you know, who you're Googling. Yeah. You can see information about their languages, and it's fantastic. It colors in the maps. You can see how far you know, their territory went in the past and learn a little bit more about, you know, historically, this has been their home for forever, going back however far. But then you can start to learn about, well, where are they today? Are they still Mm -hmm. here? Do they live somewhere else? And why? What went on there? What happened? So those are, it's a multi-step process, but that is a fantastic starting place, learning and understanding whose land you live on. So I think that for some parents or for some families, at first, this concept might feel a little bit difficult or a little bit scary, like acknowledging um, the people who were on this land, who's, who historically have owned this land and taken care of this land. There might be some, I don't know, I guess maybe worry about what that means for us today. You know, should we not be here or, you know, what does that mean for my family or, you know, my family's ancestors who have been here for several generations? And how do we kind of reconcile all of those things? What would you say to a family that maybe has some mixed feelings or, or worried about how their kids might receive information like that? Yeah, I think that's the million dollar question for all of us today, no matter who you are or exactly what what aspect of our nation's founding that you're trying to reconcile and think, well, I do want to do justice to the truth, but I also have children. You know, how do you approach that with them in ways that are accessible, engaging, um, but don't sugarcoat things, you know? And there is, you know, there are some things that I would not tell a young child, you know, if I'm working with toddlers or preschoolers speaking in terms of genocide, you know, maybe not yet, (laughs) but- I think an important thing for all of us to remember is that none of us were here when some of these systems started to take place. So while none of us are responsible for the impact of them, we do all have a responsibility to do what we can to learn about it, maybe do some unlearning from things that we have learned in the past, and then thinking about, okay, well, this is true. I can't change that, but is there a way forward to help reconcile that, maybe repair some relationships, or are there ways I can support where people are today? Um, So some things are hard, and that's just the truth. I think we actually need to talk about it more. I don't know about you, but I was kind of raised that you don't talk about hard things like that. You don't talk about religion. You don't talk about politics. Those things were kind of off limits in my home and where I grew up, and I think that kind of played into generations of people who don't necessarily know how to have civil discussions about that, where we can hold space for differences and just being able to say, you know what, I actually don't know a lot about that. I need some time. I need some time to learn more and to dig in and maybe come back to you with more information. And I try to do that with my kids too, though. So sometimes they will ask questions. You know, if we say, oh, well, this land, you know, this is where the Tonkawa tribe is from. Um, they've, they've always lived on this land. You know, right now they actually live in present day Oklahoma. And children may ask, well, what happened? And you have to be yeah. able to 
either have that conversation or say, you know what, that's tricky. And I actually need to learn a little bit more about that too. And take some time to figure out what you will say. And I think it is okay to let children know, you know what, there's been some things in the past that that were hard. Um, they lived here and they were they did have to move somewhere else. Our government forced them to move somewhere else and leave their home behind. And you can talk yeah. about with children, you know, what do you think about that? How do you think you would feel, you know, what kind of emotions come up and just help children, you know, process that. It, it is a big, big thing, but that doesn't have to be the first part of the conversation. You know, that sure. can come later. Yeah. Oh, that's so great. Thank you so much. <clears throat> so there are obviously many tribal nations that still live in the United States and have a modern culture and a presence here or that have lived here in the past. And I think that there are some things that we tend to learn or can learn about indigenous culture in the United States more broadly. But what do you think is the benefit of learning about groups that are specifically from the areas where we live instead of just in, in broad blanket terms? I think it helps kids make those tangible connections. So, yeah. you know, for us, when we lead classes with children, we start with an idea and that turns into a hands-on play activity, right? And then later you can make connections to that activity with children. So for instance, if we are out playing in the mud and we're making a feast for friends and we're thinking all about, you know, what would our friends like to have at this mud pie party? And we're just dipping into the ideas of empathy and thinking about others. Later, when we want to have those conversations about that, we can Go back to that memory. They have that concrete experience. Look back on and say, oh, I remember when we played in the mud and we were thinking about our friend's feelings. Um, and we're doing that now, having that memory, something that they can see, touch, and understand helps children yeah. make those connections. So if you are exploring outdoors and maybe you've seen that mountain and you can say, oh, I want to learn more about that. And then later revisit that. Remember that mountain that we saw? I learned something fascinating about it. I learned that that mountain has been very important to some people for so, so long. And I want to tell you a little bit about it. Yeah. Oh, I love that. And I, you know, obviously our children are going to grow up feeling connected to these lands, the lands where they grow up. And hopefully they're spending time outside and appreciating these spaces that they're living in. Like you're talking about that mountain um, <clears throat> where you live or or for me, it might be, uh, you know, different things here in Tennessee. But I love that idea that they will have a connection to that land. They will have a connection to their region. And then they can make that connection with the people who lived there in the past and also had, you know, a different and very important connection to the same land. So that's really great. Yeah. And I think there's some implications for the future there too, as well, because if we can instill these ideas in children today, they grow up with a little bit more of an understanding that there are people today that the lands we explore, even if we're looking out and not seeing them reflected in the lands, they're sacred or they hold yeah. a lot of value. So when issues come up, um, pipelines are a big thing right now, or sometimes lands are seized by the government to be used for different things. They'll have a little bit more understanding on why tribal nations may be 
pushing back on that, fighting for their rights and the idea of indigenous yeah. sovereignty. That's gonna that's in the news a lot with the pipelines right now because there are treaties from the 1800s even where the U.S. government said, these are your lands. We agree to these conditions. And there's still active treaties that are being violated. So Mm. the Supreme Court continues to uphold these treaties as recently as the 80s, 90s, and then I think 2015 for some pipelines that are um, being built right now. And so just, it's a big concept. It's a very big concept that, wait, that was a long time ago, but that's still present today. And what does that mean? Why are these lands so, so valuable? So most of the listeners of the show are parents with young kids or educators or they're adults who in some way, shape, or form have kids in their lives that they're spending time with. So if we're thinking about that under 10 crowd, you know, elementary students and below, do you have any favorite picture books or resources that you can go to that would be a good place to start for parents or caregivers or educators? I do. So one of my favorite Native authors is Cynthia Lydic-Smith, and she's actually heading up something called Heart Drum. It's an imprint of HarperCollins Mm. Publishers for Children, and it's focused on highlighting the voices of Native creators. So if you look up Heart Drum imprint, you can see lists of all the books that they're putting out. There's so many new ones coming out every single month. And then I also have an author I really love. Um, Her name is Tracy Sorrell. She's a Cherokee author, and she writes books that show just in these beautiful pictures contemporary culture today. And then it weaves in all of these elements that are a great place for kids to start to see it and to ask questions about, well, what does that mean? What is that? And to see it in these beautiful images. So she actually has a book called um, we are grateful, Odilihelaga. That's the Cherokee word for grateful, and it walks children through all four seasons and shows things that the Cherokee people and likely a lot of the kids reading the book, Cherokee or not, are grateful for in each season. Mm. I love that one. That's a good one for younger children. And she also released a new book this spring called We Are Still Here, and I think that one's better for older elementary kids, even though it's a picture okay. book because it does introduce some ideas like Native American boarding schools um, in ways that are just that children can begin to understand. And then as a parent, you can decide, you know, what are we going to talk about? What should we learn more about? And where are we with understanding these ideas ourselves? There's also a really great podcast. It's called Warrior Kids Podcast, and it's by Dr. Pam Palmeter. She's a Mi'kmaq citizen um, and a Eel River First Nations member um, in Canada. And it's just fantastic. Every single week she puts out an episode for kids and there's activities that go along with it. And it's just really accessible for young children. And it starts at square one. The very first episode is like, what are indigenous people and how do I talk about this? Do I use indigenous? Do I use Native American, Native, First Nations? What do all these terms mean? And yeah, it's, it's wonderful. I highly recommend that. Warrior Kids Podcast. Ooh, okay, well, I'm like jotting all these down and I'll make sure I put them in the show notes for everybody so you can find them. Um, so you brought up with the Warrior Kids podcast a little bit about language. And that was something that I wanted to ask about because I know language can carry a lot of meaning. And when it comes to terminology, when we are teaching our kids about Native groups, are there things that are helpful to keep in mind with the language that we use? Yeah, I think in any case where you can be specific about the tribal nations, it's best to do that. 
So if you're speaking about a specific person and you know, you know, what tribe they belong to, that's perfect to use. So Mm -hmm. I'm Erica and I'm a citizen of the Seminole Nation of Oklahoma. Or if you're speaking more broadly in the United States, Native American is generally well accepted, unless you Mm -hmm. see that somebody else uses a different term. So a lot of my family actually uses the term Indian. And I think a lot of us were taught, oh, we shouldn't say that. Um, But it really depends for other people that could be an important part of how they identify. But generally, Native American um, is a broad term that applies well across most of the United States, unless you know more about the person and can use their specific terms. Or if they say, you know, I actually prefer to prefer this word over that word. Um, In Canada, they have more words that they use. They have First Nations, Métis, and Inuit. Those are three different words they use. And indigenous people. <laughs> it applies to everyone, indigenous yeah. people, indigenous peoples um, all over the world. So there, there are, it, it's, there's a lot of words that can work. So I, I generally say native or native American when I'm speaking about people from the United States, unless I know mm-hmm. their specific tribes. Okay. All right. Well, that's, that is really helpful. So thank you for touching on that. Cause I know that can feel a little bit nerve wracking. I think sometimes for people to worry that they're not going to say the right thing. But I think also most people really have a lot of grace for that. And like you said, I think it's important to just listen to other people and and what they prefer as well. I have a lot of understanding for why that is tricky. You know, as an educator, that's, you know, where I'm coming from. And I'm always happy to teach people or explain. And I think sometimes there is the fear that we, we will get it wrong, even for me, for all of us, for something. Yeah. But I think being brave and saying like, I might get it wrong, but if I do, I can learn. I can apologize. I can learn and I can change what I'm doing and grow. And as long as the getting it wrong doesn't cause harm directly, you know, there's sure. something that some things could be done better and some things cause harm. You know, that's a different category. But if it's something that could be done better, the attempt says a lot to me. The attempt says this is yeah. someone who cares. This is someone who's trying whose ears, heart, and mind are open. And that's a good thing. So can we walk through what this might all look like when we're playing and adventuring together outside? Let's say we've got families who are interested and excited about incorporating more education about Native people um, in their playtime, in their outdoor time with their kids. So we have a group we're getting together with, we're playing at the park, we're taking a hike. What might you do in a setting like that for a group of young kids outside? Yeah, so if you live in an area where there are preserved sites that you can go to and visit, that's fantastic, especially if there are people who are from that tribe who are doing the education. I highly recommend doing that and hearing firsthand from their own experiences and what information they would love to share and educate the public about. But that's not always um, available where we live. Some places also have guided hikes where you can go and read the signs and translate that for your children. Um, But that's also not always accessible. So in those instances, I think prior research, and that's where you go back to looking up whose land am I exploring? And then what information can I learn so that when I'm out with my children, I can tell them about that. So if we're exploring and we come across a river, maybe that's maybe I've learned that that river is not is known by a different name to the tribes from the area. Yeah. Maybe I can share that with my children, or I can share, you know, 
have what kind of fish came out of the river that the tribe lives or lived on um, for so many years, or what plants around us were used in different ways. You know, are they or were they used to build homes? Are the plants still sacred medicine for someone else? And things like that. So all of those little things can be woven in, but it starts with learning whose land it is and then starting to do the research. Yeah. That's great. So I'm very excited to start to try to incorporate the little bit into our own learning in our family as well. So thank you so much for sharing all of that. Erica, if listeners want to find you and follow along with the things that you're sharing and teaching about, where can they find you on the internet? I'm on Instagram. My handle is Erica, E-R-I-K-A dot Macklemore, M-C-L-E-M-O-R-E. And I love sharing about our outdoor play adventures. And then I also weave in some of these ideas. That's great. And I really enjoy following along with you and your family. And I know that we're both very, very excited for Tinker Garden to be coming back to the parks in the next couple of months. So lots of exciting things to look forward to. But I appreciate you being here so much and sharing some of your thoughts. And I hope that this has been inspiring for some of our listeners to start getting out and doing their own uh, learning and teaching with their own kids. Thanks so much for having me, Emily. This is great. It's been really fun getting to chat with you today. It truly was so delightful to sit down and talk with Erica. I loved having this conversation and it gave me a lot of great ideas and inspiration for how I can continue to learn more about my region, about the people who have lived here and do still live here, and how I can incorporate that into my children's learning. For me, some of the big takeaways were to start by gathering information. Learn which native groups call your land home by visiting native-land.ca and then find out a little bit about them. Beginning to share this with your children can be as simple as saying, hey, did you know that this land is also the home of such and such native group? Or did you know that this river is known by this other name? Also find out what resources might be available in your area. Preserved sites or guided hikes are two ideas. It's okay if you don't know everything or even if you know almost nothing. Acknowledging that we need more time to gather information, to understand an issue, and that we all have more to learn is a great listen to our kids all on its own. When you are sharing information with your children, with your family, be age appropriate, but also be honest. And remember that indigenous people are not just a part of history, that they are still here and their culture and contributions are an important and beautiful part of our nation. Knowing about the human history of a region is, I believe, one more piece in growing our connection to the places we inhabit. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen today. I hope that you have an amazing week. If you have not already subscribed to the Happy Outdoor Families podcast, please do so. And would you consider leaving me a five-star rating and review in whichever podcast app you're listening to this on right now? Leaving those reviews is probably the number one thing that listeners can do to help new podcasts find their audience. And if you have friends who you know would enjoy these conversations, 
please share this with them. I would love to have them as a part of our community. As always, you can also find me over on Instagram at Happy Outdoor Families, where I love to connect with you and chat with you and see how you are getting outside and how your kids are playing. If you do have young kids at home, don't forget to tune in on Wednesday when I will have another installment of Playtime. Friends, enjoy your outdoor spaces, and until next time, I will see you outside. <laughs>